When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to a Celtic State of Mind. It's Friday afternoon. It's the build-up to the cup final. We've hit the end of the week. I know it's maybe dragged in for some. Some will be doing that old Moussa Dembele tactic at Ibrox with your backside in the corner, trying to wage off three or four defenders, if you remember that one. But we are here. Triple threat. Myself, Paul John, Jim Orr. Jim Orr after a, a, a run of plays. But you were just telling us there, Jim, we never stop. And you're going to be going international very soon. Yeah, we're off to Vegas, 6th of June for the convention, uh, Ben Berti. so if you didn't see Ben Berti last time, it's in Vegas, even if you did see it last time, it's in Vegas, so, uh, and after that we're doing Ben Bratback again, uh, I thought we'd missed the boat with the 25th anniversary, but James McInerney, who's who's in Ben Bratback, has been beaving away in the background, so we're uh, doing the Kerry Deal Suite, end of June, and we're going to Corby, end of May, so uh, yeah, we never stop, we never stop. We yes, point about the pavilion, uh, Laura came along and the reason though Laura was there is that in that particular show, Des, it a good idea for the audience to, to do the huddle and they took a photograph from behind the audience, or sorry, behind the cast, looking at the audience, and there's one person right in the centre circle who's not doing the huddle. Who's that? Laura Bradburn. <laughs> Thank you, uh, questions have to be asked. Questions have to be asked. Participation <laughs> is not compulsory. There you and, go. And, uh, <laughs> and that, Paul, was a right good uh, lead into yesterday's chat on here, which from the comments and watching on seemed to have went down very well with Big Reaps and uh, Morton Vicors too. By the way, you would think he's you know up the road to me, Morton Vicors, with that accent. He's, he's not lost his Glasgow accent at all. It's brilliant. See the thing, I'm always absolutely buzzing every time that I'm going to be speaking to anybody that pulled on the green and white hoops. You know, it doesn't matter who it is and how often you do it. 
But there's a wee added uh, bit of excitement when it's someone who doesn't really do that that much in mm. terms of interviews and, and like live shows and stuff. So to get Morton V. Corst and Mark Reaper on the same show too, guys who I've never met, never spoken to, I was really excited and looking forward to that. And then when they came on, they were just so laid back, chilled mm. out. Guys, um, I'm looking at Reaper's shoulders I'm thinking to myself, wow. And then, like, yesterday, looking through images, what a unit that guy was. But I tell you what, they're doing okay for their age, mid-50s, looking fresh, um, aging like a fine wine, Declan. Mm. Hope yeah, I go the I same way. There's, there's a good few uh, in that category. <laughs> I saw a picture the other day of Mark Viduka in uh, Croatia. He is now. He's yeah. got a wee bar, restaurant thing. And the same as in the place that I'll be more camera, he's got a wine bar and he's... Uh, He's, he's, he's dropped the boldiness and he's went for the full lock. So I don't know if he's maybe went a visit to Turkey for that. I'm not too sure. Um, <laughs> Where did he go? He ended up at Burnley, didn't he? And then maybe yeah. St Mirren. Did he end up at St Mirren? He did. I, I think he that? did come, come back uh, up with mm. Scottish football for a wee while. Um, but, you know, maybe not a player that you remember too well. I think Mark Wilson came in that kind of spell at the end of his Celtic career um, then. But, you know, talking about former Celts, you're going to be speaking to one tonight and, and former captain Tom Boyd. Um, at Gracie's, I'm sure there's a lot of folk watching it coming along. And then tomorrow night, people are starting to get this idea that me and the guy behind me look a bit like each other. It must just be the specs, but you're talking to the former Celtic manager, Matt O'Neill, who's probably forgotten more about football than, than I know. So I think that comparison's pie in the sky stuff. Jim's, Jim's smirking at that. He does he look enlightened. Like no, I was actually trying to see who's behind you. I there thought there was actually somebody standing behind you. No, no, no. This time of day, Matt O'Neill, yes. Super isn't it? Yeah. One of the one of the best football autobiographies I've read. I think it's really fast paced. He just he just does things. I did that, did that, played for them, scored that goal, won European Cup, that, 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 got that manager's job. Really, really fast paced. And uh, you know, he could literally have written a book about you know one aspect of it, never mind everything's actually done. I think there's yeah, at least two or three books in Martin Neal's career, but looking forward to that. Tomorrow night, I bought a couple of tickets for that. Not the VIPs because I know Paul John Dyke, so I don't want to point a VIP ticket for that. I so, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to that tomorrow night and Tom Boyd tonight. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. And a game on Sunday, and a game on Sunday as well. So, yeah, it's good a uh, few days. Uh, you're right about that book. I've got to say, I don't want to spoil it for anyone, but there are so many things in there that I was unaware of. But I love the kind of early stages where. I think back to the movie The Commitments where they've got a picture of Elvis and the Pope on the wall, right? And then I remember uh, a few years ago I was interviewing um, Hugh Keevans, of all people, and he was saying that in his front room it was a picture of the Pope and Charlie Tully on the wall. Mm -hmm. And uh, Martin O'Neill, it was a a picture of Jesus Christ and Patrick Pierce. So, you know, it's no bad company, to be fair. Mm -hmm. Who's on, the, who's on your front wall, Declan, or who is on your front wall? Uh, Andrew's on the wall currently. He's made it to the wall in Big Billy, so he's in pretty good company in here. Sure, and yeah. uh, John Paul, Jordan, Ringo. So that, that, that's it's not a bad company. Um, I'd be actually quite interested, Jim. You get any heroes? I'm up? just like Declan's wall. Declan's wall. Who's on Declan's wall? Discuss. Uh, <laughs> no, I think you have your heroes, right? Uh, <laughs> you have your heroes. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm always. I admire Declan and the fact that you seem to be, you know, you seem to know everyone, which is, which is great. You know, I always a picture of Declan with this person and that person and stuff like that. So keep up, young man. It's good to see every time I see that on Facebook. He's just Declan. Hi. So, no, I don't have a wall. No, I've, I've taken the bend on like Bertie poster down. That's the only thing I've done in the past uh, few weeks. But no, I don't have a wall. I'll maybe save up and get one. Yeah. I've got Billy Connolly, the Proclaimers and Primal Scream. There you go. Yeah. Good mix. 
good mm. mixture. That's a studio, um, but that's different. That's that's different. Right. Anyway, Ma- sorry. Anyway, Ma- Martin's book is though a, a tremendous read. I agree with you both in that. Um, there's plenty in it, and you you both will know where the, the title comes from. I hope. I don't know if any contributors are on days like these. Two years now, Italian job. So if it's song at the very top, and that's where they got it from. So there you go. That's where they got it from. That's because you're in the know, ITK. No, no, it's just you know, you, who is it? I'll be in the comments. Somebody will tell us who sings on days like these. It might be Perry Cole or something like that. But that's that's how old are you, Declan? Really? You need to know these things. You need to know these things. You need to know these things. You're 74. No, 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 not at all. Uh, So, if you talk about uh, Mark Reaper and uh, Morton Vesos, two young guys to me, two young guys. These are the old guys, two young guys. But we'll talk about one guy who is younger than me and Matt O'Reilly and one guy who's a good bit older than Aaron Moy because that's our tagline today is does Ange go with Moy or O'Reilly for the cup final against Rangers? Um, both you guys have surpassed that point where you know majority Celtic players are now younger than you both. Um, when it <laughs> happens to me, I don't like it because Matt O'Reilly is in that category um, and I can call him son at the games now. But anyway, what what is your take? Jim, we'll come to you in this one first. We, I think we're a wee bit Surprised last week when Aaron Moy wasn't lined in the start line up against Aberdeen. Aurelius came in, Moy not even in the bench. Looks as if he's trained this week. What, what, what do you think the manager will be thinking going into this game between the two midfielders? Because I think that's the only kind of sticking point in your midfield alongside Callum and Rio. Yeah, b- before answering that question, my my uh, point where I realised players were younger than me was with the Ajax game in 82. So that's how far back I go. I realised all these young guys were like, oh, they can't, 21, I can't be right. So anyway, uh, Moy, all day long, I, I think I think O'Reilly shaded it a wee bit uh, over the last few games. Uh, if Moy's fit, I mean, Moy's been a revelation since coming back for the World Cup. I think uh, maybe his defensive qualities might be needed on Sunday. I, bet, I think it'll be a really tight game on Sunday. I, quite, I kind of despair when I read all this stuff about we just want to turn up on Sunday and we'll do it. I think it'll be a really tough game on Sunday. Uh, uh, yeah, I think Moy on form is the player that we play. I think O'Reilly's looked a wee bit hesitant in some of the games since he's come back. And I think that's a bit about if you're not playing week in, week in and week out, then you do lose a wee bit of confidence. And, and Moy, the opposite. I mean, if you are playing week in and week out and you're scoring goals, and what have you so for me Moy all day long and I think as you said that's the only position that is up for grabs because you think we'll play Maeda on the left uh, to kind of combat the, the threat of James Tavernier uh, he has to play Yota on the right uh, last game they played Forrest which is a bit of a surprise Understood, mm. understand why, why he did it but I think Yota in a cup final has to be him I'd like to see Haksabanovic get a game but I think it's a bit too soon for him my ideal team is to play Haksabanovic on the right Yota on the left but I can understand for Sunday that Maeda's a shoe in for the left. And as the tagline says, I think that's the only position that's up for grabs. We'll, we'll talk about Hacks yeah. we'll later because I was really impressed with him coming off the bench. And I think that's going to be a big factor for, for ourselves, particularly come Sunday. Um, Paul, in, in terms of this, you know, Matt O'Reilly's came back in. He, he played the game at the start of the month against Livingston, if you remember, right? He pings that great pass to Kyogo, which he scores from. Eventually gets back in the score sheet um, in the, the cup game at home to St Murn gets his chance, could you say, against Aberdeen due to Aaron Moy being out? Um, two weeks ago, I think it'd probably be the opinion, yep, Aaron Moy starts for us against Rangers, but if there's maybe the slightest possible doubt in the manager's mind that there is a wee niggle there and you know he's maybe not up to it just yet, he might be better coming off of the bench. So I, I'm starting to go over to the side that I think the manager might go for Matt O'Reilly in this game. It's There's so many different factors to it, Declan. Like you say, if it's a, a fitness issue, 
then you go with, you know, whoever is the fittest. It was a question I asked uh, Morton Vicos yesterday about Matt O'Reilly and how impressed he's been with him since he came to Celtic and um, he didn't want to commit, but he has been impressed. He just said it's going to be very difficult for him to break into the Danish uh, international team. Um, I'm going to run through a couple of these comments first, Declan, and then I'll give you my take on it as well. But Jake thinks it's got to be Moy a fit. Yeah, that's a big if. And McGregor, Hatati Moy would tear the midfield part. And I, I tend to agree with Jake. I'm a massive Matt O'Reilly fan. Mm. Um, but fresh in my mind is a 2-2 game. And I think there was quite a lot wrong with that. And I'm, I'm not blaming Ange for it because obviously we later found out there was a virus in the squad. It was maybe the reason why Juranovic was put on out of position. Maybe the reason Forrest started the game. But if it, that's, that is the midfield I would start with. But if there's any doubts whatsoever... Um, with Moyes Fitness then you start with O'Reilly and by the way um, you can't just look at one fixture and say it's always going to be that way you know the midfield wasn't great against Rangers last time round because Moy didn't make it O'Reilly did could be completely different this time round Declan so if you know the worst case scenario O'Reilly's in it's not a bad worst case scenario it's not at all. Um, I think when you're looking at you know previous fixtures, which I think we always tend to do, and Jim, I'll come to you in this one. If you look at the three 0 game at the start of February last year, you know when we absolutely trounced Rangers, a lot of people were really impressed by the performance of the trio that night. Of Hatati, obviously scores two goals. McGregor was excellent. Um, he's got that infamous thing that he shouts at Borna Barisic, which I won't retweet. Re- repeat. Mm-hmm. It's only twenty to one. And O'Reilly was absolutely excellent. I think it was only his third or fourth game for Celtic. We completely ran over the top of Rangers. I think that was the idea. Pace, power, just completely over the top of them. So I think the manager might have that at the back of his mind because you know Matt Aaron Moy's not going to do that, but he's going to calm everything down. And I thought when Matt uh, Aaron Moy sorry, came off the bench at Ibrooks at New Year, he made a real big difference for Celtic. And that could be the difference in this game. And that you're looking to just completely bulldoze Rangers early on get your goals and then slow it down and can Aaron Moy can do that for you while still playing good football? I think both the 3-0 game and the 4-0 game, we get a goal dead early. And if you get a goal early, that gets the confidence up and then you take things from there. If you don't score early, then it becomes a bit more difficult. And we haven't played well at Hamden under Ange for whatever reason, whether it's the pitch or whatever. And, and I made a comment last time with the Glasgow derby that we haven't played particularly well in the second half of games. And I know that the 3-0 game or 3-0 at half time, the 4-0 game or 3-0 at half time, but if Ange never stops, you go on and you make it 4-5-6 in the second half. So, mm. for whatever reason, we haven't played that well. In the Scottish Cup tie, uh, semi-final, we're, we're really poor. That's not the poorest game I've had last season. Uh, it depends what Ange wants to do. I think Ange tends to just look at his own team. Uh, I, but I just think the balance of the team now, that if Moy is fit, I didn't realise that Moy might not be fit, but if Moy is fit, I think Moy has to start. I think it'll give a wee bit of calmness into that middle of the party. We've got so many good Attacking options, we don't have to be attacking all the time. We don't need all attacking players in the team. So, yeah, why for me? It's, it's obviously a different game. I mean, they've got a lot of quality in their team. I mean, I know people are saying, well, they're, they're, they're not that good and they've been a wee bit jammy and whatever, but they've managed to get results. Mm-hmm. You know, and they're on their court. I mean, the other thing about nine points, nine, nine points is a lot of points. It is in, in, in some ways, but, you know, they had a wee blip. We think they dropped, was it something like seven points in four or five games, something like that? And that's the wee bluff that's put his nine points ahead. Because apart from that, they've been dead consistent in terms of getting results. So they're pretty confident. And they've had some some of the more uh, attack-minded players coming back, guys like Roof and Kolak and Morales and stuff. So it's going to be a hard game in Sunday. And I can see going 
all the way extra time penalties. Uh, but uh, that's what the that's what the head says. The heart says we won a couple of goals. But uh, yeah, I think Ange looks at his own team. But yeah, pay some attention to their team. I think down that left hand side is their main threat. Set pieces is their main threat. So if we ignore that and we're punished for that, then that's our fault for ignoring that. So so I think uh, Moy gives a wee bit more stability than O'Reilly, and I think he's on form. I think he's a better player, and he he scores goals and he takes penalties. In the unlikely event we get a penalty, uh, so yeah, more for me. Yeah, it was interesting this morning. Neil Lennon was having a, a right good uh, dig with Alan Brazil um, at McCoy, saying that he thinks that Rangers will definitely get a penalty in Sunday, and that Celtic will get a player sent off. So a wee bit of trolling there from our former manager to uh, Nick Walsh um, at the weekend. Just in terms of that, Jim, you know, you, you speak about you don't think Celtic's played particularly well at Hamden. Is that just? due to the way the kind of games have unfolded there because I, I think there's probably a point in that that they have been pretty sticky at times you know, if you think back St Johnson um, the, the cup final we got a goal down I think that's probably been our best performance there but again it took a real piece of magic from, from Kyogo to get us there is that the kind of perspective you're taking that that it's been a bit sticky at Hamden under Ange? It's not a great pitch for one uh, I think that maybe is a factor I think also when you're putting at Hamden it's a big game it's mm. a really big game, yeah, at the semi-final stage or the cup final stage. So there's an element of that in it as well. So who knows what the reason is, but just for whatever reason, you know, we haven't been playing that kind of free-flowing football. And that might be down at the pitch because it's not a great pitch at Hamden. And uh, I, I, who knows? Uh, but yeah, uh, who knows, Declan? Who knows how that's working out? Who do? It's not really a who do, actually, when they won, but it's just in terms of performance, we could have done better. And I think maybe maybe as the pitch. Yeah, no, I think that's a fair comment in terms of performance. As you say, it's maybe not been what we've, we've seen at Celtic Park um, in the, the two previous seasons. Paul, you know, I, I think Jim makes a good point there. You're coming up against a, a decent level of opposition here and um, that go into the, the, the game in exactly the same form as ourselves. One draw, the rest of the games have won. Um, for one team in this game, they're obviously going to lose that winning streak. Hopefully that isn't ourselves. Um, but, you know, this Rangers midfield, I think a lot of people always say a, a game against Rangers, the battle can be won in midfield. I know it's an old football cliche, but it's probably true. We don't know if you're going to be with John Lundstrom as of yet, but it might mean that Kamara and Raskin goes in there. I chuckled the other day when Raskin came out saying that he, he thinks that Ronnie Dyla will be cheering him on and hopes that Rangers win the cup, his old manager. Don't think that's going to be the case at all. Um, but again, that, that will be the manager's thinking, Paul, about what you're going up against here. Raskin's going to be a bit of a different challenge but again I think if we go with O'Reilly we'll look to overpower them and again if you, you go with Aaron Moy in there we'll look for that that calmness to play our football. See the big thing I, I, like obviously like everyone else I've been listening to all the comments pre-match and you know what you're going to get from certain quarters but one thing I found really interesting uh, with Ange was when he <coughs> pointed out that you know what he's doing is a job and he, he was talking about this is what the fans feel this is what I need to be doing um, I'm not a fan and uh, you could read into that and all that but the way that I kind of looked at that was that we've been doing broadcast this week and I've been hearing predictions uh, three, four, five, nothing and I- I've got to say right, uh, people might disagree and I'm sure they will and that's fine but I'm, I'm on uh, uh, I'm on Jim's kind of uh, bus with this one because I just think we are up against some a team that can cause us problems. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going into this, you know, blase, complacent and all that kind of stuff. So when I heard Dan speaking like that during the week, I was delighted because, you know, there's going to be no complacency whatsoever when that man's in the dressing room and on the training pitch. Um, 
complacencies, lack of respect, all that kind of stuff, leave that to the other team mm. um, and show them the respect that you've got to show them, which is what Jim's just done. You know, respect the fact that they do have uh, players that can that can harm you. Um, I think the early goal has been vital in the past. I think if it gets into a scrappy affair, that suits the opponent more than it suits Absolutely. us. Yep. Not that we can't overcome that, but I do think that that would definitely suit Rangers. But the big thing, um, and it's and it's not a contradiction. I think this is an absolutely huge game in terms of what happens next because I think we are sitting in, in a position right now where we could really uh, go on and you know dominate Scottish football again like we just did for a decade. And I think that the only way that that can be hampered is on days like Sunday, you know, where a momentum swing happens at just the right moment. We've had it happen with us, Declan. We had it last season. We had it under Vim Janssen where the League Cup final was vital and how the rest of that, that season panned out. We never capitalised on it under Vim because he left the club and it took a few years for Martin O'Neill to come in. But I think this game could be huge when we're looking back at it in years to come uh, if Celtic win it. I think it's a massively important game for us. Yeah, I, I would probably tend to agree with that. Um, although I think Celtic are still in that strong position to go and and win the league title. I think Jim made a good point earlier on in saying you know, that the consistency from the opposition has been there. That was something that they were badly lacking under their previous manager. Um, but I, I, again, you know, I don't think if Celtic didn't come away victors in this game, the impact long-term, I think maybe, as you're saying, Paul, would maybe be there because you'd, you'd have a Rangers team again to be thinking, yeah, we're getting close and we're getting a sniff of it again and we've got Silverbear on the board having beaten them, you know, on that particular occasion. But I think it's just about us taking care of our own business. As you say, block out the noise, go and do your job on Sunday, um, which will be the message and, and focus from I'm not so sure it's that big a game. I don't mean that in any disrespect to anyone. I, just, I don't think it's, it's, it's that significant in the greater scheme of things. I think uh, if we win on Sunday, I think it'll give us a bit more confidence moving forward. And if we lose on Sunday, you know, I think we just kind of regroup and we kind of go again. I, I just think that, Things are different now in that if you look at the squad that they've got, they've got a decent squad, they've got a decent depth. I think the manager's the best manager they've had uh, in the last few years. So so they've been, and the rest of the league are, are quite a distance away, you know. So they're going to win all their games, most of the games, we're going to win most of the games. And it comes down to the head to heads against each other. And who knows what can happen in those, in those kind of games. So I, I think uh, I think we're back to the point where there's not, not going to be too much in it between the two teams. And I don't think. I'd like to win on Sunday, but if we don't win on Sunday, it's not that I'm not fussed. I don't think it's a huge thing. Because I was on, last time I was on, I made a comment about the Scottish Cup, that if we get beat, we get beat. Hey, ho, sort of thing. And somebody in the in, in the YouTube comment said I was a, a bit of a snob because I was looking down on the Scottish Cup. I think things things have changed so much over the years. And again, being like the old guy thing that years ago, the Scottish Cup was a huge thing. Scottish Cup's not such a huge thing nowadays because the difference between winning the league and winning the Scottish Cup these days is huge. Whereas if you go back to well, long before Declan was born, I don't pick a cup final. 85 Cup Finals, 85 Cup Finals was, was, was fantastic. The 100th Cup Final. What a cross. Frank McGarvey. You know, you go back to that. And we lost the league that season to Aberdeen. I think it was about seven points or so, something like that. In the days where it was two points for a win. So that's the equivalent of three. So that's about 10 points. Say. So we lost the league by 10 points to Aberdeen. But we won the Scottish Cup. It's a brilliant season because we won the Scottish Cup. What happens next season? What happens next season? Aberdeen going to the European Cup. 
and it's a knockout competition, mm-hmm. right? So, so it's not live in the telly. They're not playing the Champions League music. I think they got to the quarterfinal. You think, well, that's imagine getting to the quarterfinal, the biggest cup. It was only three games. They got knocked out in away goals. I think by Gothenburg. Three games at Petrodi, not live on the telly. How much money did you make? Not much. Mm-hmm. Celtic played the infamous uh, uh, Athletic Madrid game. Was that the, the game was all fine? Closed doors. Yeah. Closed doors. That was a yeah. game there. Cup winners' cup. Right. So made nothing. <laughs> so there wasn't much of a difference between the Scottish Cup and the league. But the implications now, you know, if you win the league. You've get, you're going to choose a 40 million quid. So it's up there somewhere. If you win the Scottish Cup, a couple hundred grand, big day at Hamden. So there's a massive, massive difference. And winning Cups is great, absolutely. But the differential now between those two, yeah. and how disappointed would you feel if you don't win the league compared to how disappointed you would feel if you didn't win the Cup? Yeah. You would shrug it off to say, no, that boss. It's not about, you know, dismissing things. Because actual fact, again, old guy talk, that if you go back to maybe... Maybe the mid eighties and before, down south, the FA Cup was more important than the league, because that was a glamour tournament. That's mm-hmm. the one you wanted. The league was a slog. What changed it? Money changes it. Champions League comes in, and now they're saying, down south, FA Cup can't be bothered. Top four, you need to be in the top four. Why is that? Champions League. Why is that? Money. And that's the difference. And that's why I mean, I hope we go out on Sunday. I hope we play well. I hope we do the best we can. And if we lose, we lose. Hey ho, we move on. Regroup. And let's go. But I think uh, the gap isn't as big as it was, obviously, you know, three, four seasons ago. Uh, I think they've got a decent squad of players. I think they're far better, obviously, than other teams in the league. And it's down to head-to-heads. And we have to get them right. Uh, so, anyway, that's my that's my rant for today. So. Makes I, perfect I sense, a, yeah. Yeah, I think there's a lot to pick out of that. And can I, you know, I think there's a lot in what both you guys are saying in that. I totally agree with you, Jim, about the, the monetary sense of winning the league, getting automatic entry into the Champions League. And, you know, for me, you speak about Beal being the best manager for a few years. I think that's going to be really put to the test for them in the summer when there's going to be a rebuild job. They don't know if guys like Kent and Morelos are going to stick around and he's going to need to bring in players with you know, whether they have Champions League money banked or not, I don't think it's going to be the case. Celtic will be in a, a stronger position. Um, but again, you know, finals, you want the bragging rights of the city um, and hopefully it's Celtic that they have those bragging rights after it. But as you say, I, I, I probably tend to agree with you in this, Jim. I don't think it's going to have too much of a swing what happens on Sunday to the kind of the bigger picture that we're looking at here. Um, but it's an interesting point. I think it's an interesting debate to be had um, going into this game. One thing about he talked about, Paul, is um, a lot was made when Michael Beale was at Rangers as a coach about this kind of inverted winger type system that they played a lot. If you remember right, your Kent and whoever would tuck in behind the striker and that was how they would overload you in the middle of the park and they got a lot of joy with that. It's how they beat us 2-1 at Celtic Park. It's how they practically terrorised us in that last League Cup final, um, which I had no nails left after it. Um, but now with the way we play, Inverted <coughs> back, we create the overload in there that kind of blocks that. And I find that to be a really interesting battle when Michael Beale goes up against Ange Postacoglu and that you've got your wingers in there tucked in with your midfielders and Celtic's got the two fullbacks tucked in with the midfielders and it creates lots of different pockets of space. It's just to really seize that space to go on and take advantage of it. Yeah, I think uh, there was a lot made of that, Declan, when Michael Beale was the coach and uh, yeah, there was a lot of talk around how quickly they apparently sussed us out 
uh, you know, and sussed out Neil Lennon's team. Um, but I do remember that that particular cup final. That was uh, 2019, wasn't it? With, with Julian scoring the winner. And it was a painful Horrible. Watch. It was Horrible watch. so painful to watch. And um, like you say there, it was just... I remember when the board came up, I think was it six minutes of injury time, I think. And I remember setting it on my phone and everybody's looking at this because it was just, you know, mm. every passing minute uh, was an achievement to get that game finished. Um, I think what Michael Beale will be up against this time is someone who's a wee bit more wily in terms of the understanding of the tactics and, and the game and opposition uh, and Ange Postacoglu. So I don't think there'll be any sussing out uh, of Ange. And, uh, you know, we have we have turned him over recently a couple of times. And uh, if it does happen, I'll take Abraham back that I've said. But I do think, uh, although it comes away with a lot of stuff that, you know, you think to yourself, it, it makes him um, extremely dislikable, Declan. I do think that obviously there's something there with Michael Beale and uh, uh, in terms of what he's doing on the training pitch and uh, how he's going to line up. Will he be able to suss out Ange? I don't think so because mm. uh, the cliche of we never stop, I think also means we never stop evolving. So we're never going to be stagnating in a particular shape. They know how we, we line up, but I think we're ever so adaptable. And then you start talking about, you know, if there is an issue, the options are going to be available to, to Ange as well. I think uh, that, that was a conversation I wanted to come on to and then I'll throw it over to you Jim and that you know Paul John there talks about that adaptability that the manager's got that you know we never stop you you mentioned earlier on Jim Sietak Sabanovic and I think a big part of this I know I've mentioned the midfield is going to be what players are introduced into the game I think it's going to have a real big impact on it no matter what the scoreline is at that point in the game I think Celtic subs will make some sort of impact in the game that was the case at Ibrooks. It was the case in the 4-0 game because David Turnbull comes on and he scores. Do you think the bench, um, I know you've said you've got a, a very bad hunch it could go all the way to penalties, um, but do you think the, the bench for Celtic particularly could impact in this final? I think they've both got a decent squad. So they've got a decent bench as well. So I, you, you have to look at both teams. Uh, I think when you've got so much choice, then it becomes more difficult for the manager to pick the right team. Because if you, if you leave out certain players, then that may come back to bite you. Why didn't you play such and such? Whereas if you don't have that choice, you can only play the people who are fit. So I think that'll be interesting. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I just tends to, you know, it doesn't bring any subs on until after maybe 60, 65 minutes. You usually stick the kettle on for when they're going to come on and who it'll likely be. Mm-hmm. I, and I would have thought... Woody Arnold and I thought you'd maybe vary that a wee bit I'm quite surprised we don't make subs at half time given you've got five subs to play with uh, in the old days you know, if you'd only three subs then you're a bit wary of somebody getting injured but if you get five mm. subs you can take a chance at half time maybe changing things around and, and it obviously gives players a bit of game time as well so I would whether you're winning or losing I'd maybe like to see a bit of, kind of change at half time uh, for for good or for bad, uh, we've got a really strong bench. Uh, I think I think the game will be won and lost. You, you mentioned midfield before games and lost. Uh, and lost. I think if if our defence are tight, I think we win the game. I think if we don't do it and sell it at the back, I think we will win the game because then we're going to get tested. Uh, obviously, significantly more than been tested against any other team in the league, uh, and they can punish us with guys like you know, Kent, Marielis and Colac and all these guys coming from midfield as well. So, Starfield, CCV, Joe Hart. Arthur Johnson, Taylor, they'll all be tested. And if they come through with flying colours, we win the game, I think. And I think that's where the main thing will be. I think we'll score goals. 
uh, where's the scored goals. Uh, I think there's quite a, a difference in style. I think they're far more direct than we are. From what whenever I watch them, it's goals to Tavernier into the box. So they're very quick and try to create chances. Whereas we are, you know, back forward, back forward, back forward, back forward. So that's quite a difference in styles. Uh, but yeah, I think uh, what was the question the subs thing. Yeah, uh, depends what the score is at the time. It depends who's tired. Depends who's injured. Depends who's whatever. I mean, you put your best eleven out and hope your best eleven is good enough to win the game. And why do you make subs? You either make something to try and get back into the game or put the game to bed or whatever. But if, if your team's playing really well, why would you take people off? So, and then, and Ange looks at his bench and there's all these quality players. Mm. So, so who do you put on? When do you put them on? Who do you take off? That becomes a bit more complicated. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's good to have the, the quality that we have on the bench. But to me, I, I, I think if, if everyone was fit and they had game time, Haxa Banific would start for me. Uh, my either wouldn't, but, but I think because of the circumstances of Sunday and the rest of the team picks itself. So even though we've got this strength and depth, I'm not sure how these guys are going to get themselves into the team mm. moving forward. But that's a good that's a good issue to have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good issue to have. I think Kaksabanovic for me, Jim, I, I've said on here before that I really rate him. I think he's a great player towards the end of that um, you know, first part of the season, if we'll call it that. He looked really good. He scored the winner against County. I think he won Player of the Month for November. Yeah, I know there was only three games and there was a wee bit of an injury setback. It'll be interesting to see if he does push on back in the team because he was like a man possessed against Aberdeen when he came on. He really looked up for it. And again, if he, if he comes on for the bench on Sunday, I would hope that he's he's got that energy um, and, and wanting to, to set about the, the Rangers' defence and hopefully even bag his a goal. But Paul, you know, Starfield with Carter Vickers, Celtic are yet to lose a domestic game that, that Carter Vickers has played this season for us yet. There is a point... I think in what Jim says, you know, Starfield, Carter Vickers, if I think back to that 2-1 game at Ibrox, two of them were absolutely excellent, mm-hmm. defended their, their box well. Starfield gives away the penalty um, in the, the New Year game at Ibrox. Both of those guys will be integral because we know that Rangers like that big switch. Um, and again, you don't want both of them to get sucked in with whatever Slaker's playing because you know if it's Morelos, he's going to try and have a bit of a bite. Um, but with Carter Vickers, we saw Carter Vickers deal really well with Curtis Main the other week when we played St Murn, it'll be a completely different challenge. You just hope that the big man doesn't get sucked in and he just completely nullifies him out of the game. You know, the, the big thing for me, Declan, is uh, this discussion around Starfelt. You know, it's it's been there since he made his debut at Tynecastle. There's a reason why, you know, Starfelt is coming to the attention of clubs down south because there's been a wee chat, bit of chat around that. And that's because his figures are, his metrics are, are all, he's scoring high. He really is scoring high. And um, unfortunately, there's a couple of things that stick in your mind in terms of errors, etc. But even with Kobayashi coming at the club, um, you know, that, that pairing in, in the centre-half position is absolutely vital to Celtic. The only thing, and this isn't a criticism, the only thing that I miss a little bit, right, in, in particular against Rangers, because they've got two fullbacks who love going forward, right, mm. is um, they talk about Haksabanovic um, earlier. Finding the wingers, and Jens used to do it with Haksabanovic for a short spell, finding the wingers and missing out the, the inverted fullbacks, and just, you know, that transition from defence to attack, I think Jens was particularly good at it. He's now left the club. Yeah. Um, I would love to see a wee bit more of that from CCV and Starfield, because particularly on Sunday, if their fullbacks are bomb- bombing forward as they tend to do, 
it's leaving these these uh, areas behind them um, exposed. But the way to expose that is to quickly turn that defence into attack. I know, you know, the likes of Hatati can do it um, mm. if he picks the ball up in a certain position, and he's not afraid to do it. Um, but sometimes I would like to see Starfelt and Carter Vickers do it a wee bit more. I'm not sure if Starfelt's got the range of passing, Declan. If I've got a criticism, I'm not sure he's got the range of passing to do it. Uh, but we've seen Carter Vickers doing it. Yeah, we will I think at the start of the season did it against Aberdeen. It was a particularly good. You know, took the ball. Chris Ayers, one who always used to do it for us. Yeah, yeah. And if you remember, the big man would go in the charge. I, I think though, you know, going back to what Jim was saying earlier, to me, if you're going to try and do that, Maeda is really, really important for you, just for his pace and how he'll pin Tavernier back because Tavernier will have at the back of his mind that if he does venture forward, you've got a guy who will outrun you in a race um, mm. and that's why to me he's really important for that but again with the way that we play football with your fullback and inside and whatever else it creates these pockets of space that Hatati might look to find that ball of McGregor and then get it out of your wingers and you know that with Jota likely on the other side he's going to come up with that wee bit of magic um, Jim what was your take on that way? You know, what, no, I was what going to go back to Starfield no, I was going back to Starfield there that I, I've said this before that Starfield must play between 80 and 90 passes a game and that's usually Celtic's game. highest usually yeah. Celtic's highest passing yeah and that's and that's not his game he's an out and out defender he defends his box really well he puts his head in the ball he, he, he gets in front of guys he defends really well but if you ask him to pass the ball 80 times in a game I, I defy anyone not to have two or three misplaced passes and the crowd go on his back really quickly because they think oh he's got a mistake in him he's, got, he's, mm. he's literally one or two bad passes out of, out of 90 I think that's acceptable but I think he's he's been asked to play the type of football that he, that, he, that he's not good at, because for me he's an out and out defender. He's not somebody who's going to ping fifty yard passes. He's not going to do a kind of ayer and beat a few people. And that's that's not his game. He's an out and out defender. And when we bought him, uh, and obviously had a kind of hard game at Tynecastle, I, I thought all last season he was really really good, but I always felt as if he maybe wasn't an Ange type of player because mm. we played Bodo, I get that, yeah. Glint last. Whenever it was, it must have been. It it's, a year, it's actually a year ago today since we get beat over there 2 0. A year ago there today. But when they came to Celtic Park, I did three big centre halves who were outstanding. Yeah, big Tall, monsters. physical monsters, Mark Reaper guys, yeah. and uh, big good with the ball. Broke forward, pinged passes. And, and watching that game, I thought, those are Ange type players. That's mm-hmm. what he's. And both Starfield and Carter Vickers. I get the impression that they're not really Ange type players because they can't do stuff in the ball. I think that he would, I, I think they're both in brilliant, excellent. I just get the feeling that they're maybe no Ange type players. And whether the new uh, Japanese guy, maybe maybe he's a bit more of an Ange yeah, type of player. Who knows? But, but you can't fault the guys for the defensive record. You can't fault the guys for you know the some of the outstanding performances that they've had. But I defy anyone, if you're making 90 passes in a game, you're going to get one or two wrong. And because you're a defender, there's a there's the chance something might go badly wrong. If you're an attacker and you made 90 passes, chances are most of them would be misplaced. So I think mm. people have to be a bit more sympathetic. And uh, and fans do go on people's backs pretty quickly. And I think he's been a bit of a whipping boy, mm. unfairly, in my opinion, because they have to defend. And as long as he just defends, get the ball and give it to somebody else and let them play. But it's the fact he has to keep putting the ball on the back and forward and stuff like that. And, uh, yeah, I think he's a really good defender, and just let him defend and give the ball to Cal Mark and just you know, sit back and yep. let the let the let the forward players play their game. 
Yeah, absolutely. It was interesting earlier, Chris, I was doing a, a, a chat with Celtic TV and he was talking about his pal Greg Taylor. I never knew how, how close the two of them were. Um, they mate first at Kamarnock and blah, blah. But he, he came out with this line, I, I got it here in front of him, he said, I was only there for three weeks um, with fans. For those three weeks, I saw how good a manager he was and how successful he would make Celtic. Um, quite interesting to get that wee insight. Obviously, I had one of their three weeks, people say, ah, he's just saying that now, um, that it's all unfolded well, but it, it, but the big man says he still tunes in to, to watch the games and whatnot, so he'd have been one that I'd have been interested to see how we would have fitted into our system, big Ayer. Um, yes, I think he looks like an Anstate player, yeah. Yeah, again, as you're saying, Jim, if you remember right, Ayer literally sealed the deal with Brentford and we brought Starfield in, Um it's really, really interesting to see how some of those players, I know but we'll always have that debate. For, for me, Cameron Carter-Vickers mm-hmm. is alongside Virgil and one of the best centre-halves I've seen at Celtic. So, um, He's I, also I'm not that tall. Day. That's the other thing. He doesn't no. score many goals to set pieces. You know, so, so we, we, obviously, if you're looking for the, the perfect defender, it's going to cost you too much money. But we've got Van Dijk at a good time and he developed into a fantastic player. CCV's a really good defender. And in this league that we're in, he's outstanding. European level? Hmm. No, so sure. And that's not a criticism. It's just, I think, uh, at that level, I think you have to be a wee bit taller, a wee bit better on the ball, a wee bit this, that and the other. But for us, he's been outstanding, as has, as has Carol Starfield. So I'm a big fan of them both. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Declan, I love that that kind of chat whereby, you know, a manager and a player or certain players almost cross paths, you know, at Celtic. And you think of some of the examples that we've had. Uh, we've had that discussion. Who would have, you know, suit, who would have been suited to an Ange team? Chris Ayer, yes. Um, but just looking a wee bit further back, obviously when Vim Janssen brought in Henrik Larsson, um, you know, we almost kept George Cadet, and the registrations of these players crossed over. They were both Celtic players for a few mm. days or maybe a week, um, and then the mind boggles as to how that would have worked out as a partnership. Listen, it went okay in 97, 98, as Jim will tell you, um, but you do think about these things from time to time. I think Ayer is a classic example of that. He was a, he was a player that I think um, his development was rapid. I think uh, Ronnie Dyla had a say in that as well. And of all the guys that maybe were looking for a move, I don't think his performances showed that he was a want-away player no. in that final no, season cool. under Neil Lennon. And he showed that. Point, you made yes, about, 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 sorry, about Larson and George Cadet. I thought they might have been too similar. Very similar types of players in terms of how they played the game. I always felt it from the same when we got Larson and we needed a big a big guy up front, a kind of a Van Hoydonk type of guy. And I was mm-hmm. surprised when we signed Harold Bratt back because I thought, why are we signing somebody whose game's all about pace mm-hmm. when I was given the physicality of Scotland? But after I can appear Van Hoydonk. So, yeah. so I always thought the George Cadet thing, mm-hmm. you, if you say it out loud, you think Cadet and Larson in the same team, maybe they might be a bit too similar. Mm-hmm. Jim, the question there is, did, did you think that, that George Cadet would have lost the ball to check it Easter Road in that opening day? Never in a million years, no. Who had the Never. best hair? There's another question. Oh, George. Oh, Henrik. I'm no, going Henrik. For the I'm going to try to Oh, he's a Controversial. No, controversial. The big debate on that's on today. Hi. Yes, though. Yeah. My dad always remembers coming out Easter Road that game and somebody says, oh, that Larson's effing... Uh, and obviously, he was proved very wrong. Um, that's actually one of the lines from Ben Brattbank after the second game. We lose 2 0 to Dunfermline, and that's mm-hmm. when lines. Will Janssen get to and take that wee Larson way? Because um, mm-hmm. that's what I heard somebody behind me shout at the Dunfermline game. So, yeah. Probably the same guy that my old man had heard at Easter Road, then, Jim. Lately, the same yeah, gentleman. 
Han scores scores an own goal in Europe. So his first and last European goals at Celtic Park were both against Celtic. He scores an own goal in, in that game in Europe and then he scores for Barcelona <laughs> against Celtic. And that's what's fantastic about football because you don't know what's going to happen next. Mm-hmm. No, no, absolutely not. Um, just kind of back to Sunday again, Paul. Heading into a cup final like this, I, you know, and my life supporting Celtic, can't really recall us getting into a cup final with no injuries or, or, or any kind of issues. We were practically at full strength going at this game. I mean, even looking back at that, that Scottish Cup one, and um, the most recent time we played Rangers at Hamden, we had no Yakimakis and we had to go for Maida through the middle. I, I just think we're in a really good place heading into this game. Oh, we definitely are. And uh, I know that there's been a few people predicting, like, you know, unexpected changes in the in the lineup. I don't see that at all. I think that there is such a thing as a strongest Angel Oven. There really is. Um, and you might say things like, like Jim said earlier, Maeda plays against Rangers and we know why, because you've got that threat down the right-hand side. And I totally get it. But you've got a group of players there as well, Declan, um, because we're at full kind of fitness. People like Abada and Forrest and Turnbull who are breathing down the necks and O'Reilly now as well to try and get their jerseys. But then you've almost got another group of players like Haksabanovic, Awata, Kobayashi and O who are looking for a jersey as well. I mean, the, the competition for places is frightening when everybody's fit. And uh, if we go in with a full complement on Sunday, I think we will win the game. But I don't think it will be um, a cakewalk for Celtic. No. And I reckon we'll win it by the odd goal. Yeah, I think when we beat Rangers 4-0 back in September, I, I was really surprised after that game because I kind of thought those days of scalping Rangers were, were gone. Um, and again, obviously, they have the, the managerial turnover eventually after that and whatnot. But uh, I think it'll be a tight tight game of football. Um, I, I think both teams will score. I, I, I think Celtic will come out and talk, but I think it'll be a tight, tight game of football. And, you know, again, Jim, people will say that, that this will be the real test and that both managers have only came up against each other once. Celtic went at their best, got a point. The flip of that is Rangers went down 1-0 early on in the game. We were talking about how important that can be to a team scoring early in the Derby game. And they, they came back to take the lead. And again, I know there was factors in Greg Taylor going off and Joe Hart, you know, that misplaced pass. But there's really, there's a lot of interest in this because we've seen the, the flip side of both arguments here, isn't there? I think it's hard to, to read too much into the last game because apparently there was a kind of bugging through the Celtic camp. So yeah. two two hours before kick off, the, the team was changed as, as far as I've been made aware. Two hours before. So I think, so I think that's mucked things up. I think you're right about getting into this game on Sunday with you know no injury worries and no issues and what have you. Uh, as I said earlier, I don't think this will be a defining game. Uh, cup finals usually aren't. Uh, I mean, if you win it, it's good. It gives you a wee bit of, of a boost for the the rest of the season moving forward. Uh, unless one team hammered the other team, I think if somebody hammers somebody, I think that's a huge mm. psychological blow. Uh, uh, I don't see that happening. I, I agree with Paul. I think it'll be, be really, really tight. Uh, but yeah, we're going in good form. I don't think they're going in good form, but they're getting results. Do you think that matters going into a derby game form? Aye. Oh, aye. I think uh, I think if you go looking at the past, you, you, you'll find that the team who are in form tend to win more often than not. You know, uh, so yeah, I, I think form matters, and I think uh, I think they've been playing okay without putting teams to bed, and they've been scraping results. But Beal's not been beaten yet, you know. That's what we sent his players, uh, you know. So they were a bit confidence. They should have won the last game, you know. Okay, we had a bug in the camp, etc., etc. But they were looking back, thinking, well, we should have won that game. Uh, so 
I don't think there's much between the teams. Different styles, different styles of play, different types of players. I think if Lunesome Disney play and, and Jack doesn't play, I think that'll be a huge blow for them. Just talking about, you know, having a clean bill of health that we've got. Because you yeah. take away the play, that's, that's their solid midfield. But they could play the same way. Go, goals in the Tavernier, Tavernier at the box. That'll yeah. happen so many times. Big switch. They love the big switch. If you stop that happening, if you stop crosses into the box, then that's 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 half of their half of their game. Yeah, but I think we can vary it a lot more. And uh, what I have noticed the last few Celtic games is maybe because we've got the game one with a couple of goals up, particularly the Aberdeen game last week, which I found quite frustrating. And if I was O up front, I'd have been going mad because we were just knocking the ball about for, for long period. Once we went two up, I mean, for two up after 15 minutes, you're thinking, well, could be a big score today. And if you're all playing up front, two up after 15 minutes, mm-hmm. chuck the ball in the box, I'll attack everything. You know, we kept playing around the box all the time. So I can't imagine we'll do that on Sunday. I'd imagine we'll be a, a much higher intensity on Sunday and hopefully our forwards are on form and put the chances away and uh, we win the game. But as we've all said, it'll be, it'll be tight. I want to make the point, uh, Declan, as well as bringing up some of these points here, Martin Cassidy reckons El Yanusi uh, would have suited, it wouldn't have suited Kevin Graham because he calls him El Ahusi, uh, but it certainly would have suited Ange. Uh, Ryan Christie, uh, Jean mm. Paul II, thinks yeah, it would be perfect for an Ange team as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'll come back to this one for you, Jim. Um, how are you going to be celebrating if Celtic win the cup? Will you have a small sherry? I don't know what your poison of choice is. I don't think you drink. I don't and, drink. Um, you don't drink. So James Devine... I'll I make think, up for that. Don't worry. <laughs> I bet you will. You're um, young. You're young. Need to be concerned about our own team. I'm going to take that first part, James, right? So that comment that was made during the week, right, you can either just ignore it, because, it, I mean, it didn't offend me. I'm talking about uh, Fashion Sakala's comment deck on night. It doesn't offend me in the slightest. But what I think it does show is that there could well be a, a thought process within the camp, if that is just the way that they're referring to the opposition. And I do think it comes down to there's a massive difference between being confident in yours and your teammates' ability to overcome a challenge and, and thinking that, you know, we we are that mob. Um, mm. And that kind of mentality going into a game, a lot of people will think it's not important, but I just think that you've got to show your op- opponent the ultimate respect. Um, and with regards to rivalry, that's fine. You can have a rivalry with people, but you've got to show them absolute respect. And I think that, I, you might disagree, it would be interesting to see what Jim thinks. I think it gave us a wee peek behind the curtain into the mentality of that, that Rangers team when they're referring to us as the other mob or that mob. Um, I'm not saying it, it bothered me in terms of I didn't I wasn't offended by it. I think it says more about him and the team than it does about us. I think you can read too much into this kind of stuff. I think uh, football is talked about all the time. I saw a big clip of John Watson yesterday, who sadly passed away, and he talks about football and and the fact that you know maybe ten fifteen years ago he thought well. Football has, has, has got as popular as, it, as, as it's ever going to be and in the last 15 years. It's, there's more football on TV, there's more football on radio, there's more football on newspapers, there's podcasts and all this stuff. So people are looking for stuff to talk about and you can overanalyse things to death. It's a young guy, I mean, you put a microphone in front of people and I'm a great example of this, that you start talking and if somebody said, do you know you said that? You think, did I say that? I don't realise I said that. Did I really say that? Because remember the early days of doing the, coming through to Dalkeith, Mm-hmm. 
and it was only two of us, and you would say, what do you think of this, Jim? And I talked for 20 minutes, talking rubbish, and then I got up the road, and somebody was phoning me and said, I saw you in that podcast, you said this, and I said, I didn't say that. Did you? I didn't, well, better watch it back, because I don't remember saying it. So, and the people are asking you questions you're not expecting. And I think the phrase, the other mob, and for all we know, maybe that's an expression that the Scottish guys use, and he's thinking, oh, they're called the other mob. So I think you can overanalyze this kind of... I think the more interesting thing was the Michael Beale comments the other week about Chris Sutton. Mm-hmm. He's thinking somebody in his job shouldn't be saying that. Yep. Should be, I mean, Ange would never, ever say something like that. So Michael Beale makes it with his suit on and his brogues and his tie and stuff like that. But you, you don't come out and say things like that. No. That's a, for, for me, that's a weakness. Now, obviously, it's nothing to do with his team and nothing to do with his tactics. But somebody in that job shouldn't say stuff like that because that's just manna from heaven for the media. They love that. The Fashion Sakala thing, it's just a wee comment he's made. I don't think there was any intention to say anything about it. It's maybe something he's picked up. As I said, maybe something that... Uh, the, uh, who's, who's the Scottish guy? Arfield or Alan McGregor might call him the other mob and maybe he's just picked it up it's yeah. other mob so I, I probably overanalyze it and, and like uh. and like Paul I'm not that fussed about what, what people would say uh, but I'm just more surprised at somebody who should know better yeah the car's a young guy and he's made a comment and again the media are thinking right well we'll just we'll just pay on here and make it a big thing and it's not a big thing and it's not as if I mean people say things and you'll pin it up and <laughs> I'm just not interested in yeah. pinning anything up to anywhere. I mean, I'm just even going to the wrestling before the game. So, so, you know, it's just paper talk. You know, it's like I'm saying something about Chris Boyd. It's never going to happen. It's never going to happen, never. and you can't never. imagine it happening. You can never, never imagine something like that happening. No, and I just read No, no. I, I found it very funny um, that they're coming out with stuff like that. I think for for Bill, particularly with City, um, who's somebody that, that you and I know quite well. Paul, we know he's a very different character to maybe the persona he puts on when he's on TV. Um, it, it was, you know, Sutton had him on toast with that and he, he sucked him in. Sutton in his job as a pundit can can say stuff like that. He writes in a newspaper column, he can say whatever he likes. But to come out and, you know, call him Chelsea's worst ever player, it's just in, in his position, and he's a guy that's been talking about standards of the football club and all that stuff, You do this, you just don't get involved. And you know, vitriol rubbish like that, which is exactly what he's did. The reason why I think Michael Bill did it, that the Partick Thistle thing, I think there was pressure on him after it to appeal to the hordes once again, who had turned on him when he gave that goal away. You see the banner last week, which I was surprised about at Livingston, uh, two trophies in eleven years, which is quite surprising that they particularly chose to pick that game to unveil something like this. I think Sakala's just feeding into maybe what his manager was doing and trying to appeal to. The, the, the hordes of fans that I I'm not so sure that, like stuff I'm, like that. I'm, I'm not so sure that that's the case I think uh, as I said I think we overanalyze things and I think people exaggerate things and and when the party this whole thing and they said that's the right thing to do well it was the right thing to do so no big deal move on that is the right thing to do if he did something that wasn't the right thing to do and then obviously you go into social media and then somebody picks up a clip from the game you were talking about in 2019 when it was the latter stages of the game and they were chasing the game and Celtic had a goal up and a Celtic player got injured. We put the ball at the park and they didn't get it back to us. Mm. You know, that wasn't the right thing to do, but nobody was commenting that because who cares? But if you do the right thing, people shouldn't say, well done for doing the right thing. You did the right thing. And if some of your supporters don't like it, well, that's just that's just the way it goes. But I think, uh, I echo what you said there. I think for somebody, the manager of that club to come out and say some of the stuff that he said was just really silly. 
and you should and you should know a lot better. And I think I think we should give Sakala a wee bit of slack. He's a, he's a young guy in a foreign country, and he, and he says something that's it's, it's no big deal. You know, Vicos deliberately missed a penalty for Denmark. Um, no? There was somebody in the crowd with a whistle, and mm. the one of the opposing players, I forget who they were playing, thought it was a ref's whistle for full time. He picked the ball up in the penalty area, mm. and Denmark right. got a penalty, and mm. Vicos deliberately missed the penalty. Right. Just to tie it all back into yesterday's interview with Morton Vicos. The right go. thing to do. Well the done, right thing to do, Jim. Yeah, absolutely. Right thing to do. Does the Cala find no? It does bother me. Let's sell to the top in the park. Um, whatever he wants to say in the press, and whatever I think, as Jim says, at times footballers aren't always the wisest or cleverest of people either, and uh, they will come out with stuff that, that's not see really that, clever. See that phrase, the other mob? Is that a Glasgow? Is that a Scottish phrase? Is that that's why I thought the Scottish guys might. Have said I, I remember a Celtic player years ago. I, I can't even who it was referred to Rangers as them. And mm. it caused the same kind of stir. So again, I I, I don't mind it. It's, it's part of the game. It's a show business spectacle, isn't it? You, you'll it's get it in boxing. Yeah, you'll fun. get it in other sports. Um, and listen, as long as we are smiling on Sunday, whatever fashion Sakala wants to say this week doesn't mean I hate to me. Um, but but talking about other sports, uh, this was something I found really really interesting today reading. And post the Koglu, and obviously a lot's been made about him coming to Glasgow with no assistant coaches or whatever. Mm. He, he said that he, he speaks once a month to other coaches from rugby, cricket, back home and, and Oz, and they all vent their frustrations to each other in this half hour, hour Zoom call and look for similarities in their sport that they can take into their, their dressing room. And again, you know, we were talking earlier, Paul, about you know the, the point where it reange and he won't stagnate and he looks to always evolve in this. This feeds into this, and he, he's speaking a lot about his relationship with Eddie Jones when he was talking about it, and are having constant chats, and it's obviously the, the something that he's really appreciative of, and that he then takes into his own capacity as Celtic manager. You know, it's interesting that because uh, anybody that comes into the studio has to put up with me moaning for half an hour every single morning, Declan. So I can understand why they do it, just as a sounding board. But you, you know, the big thing for me, right, is with regards to that, going back to the respect for a moment. I remember a game where we absolutely turned over. Who was the opponent that would come back to me? Uh, it was Hibs. We beat them 6-0. And um, Lee Johnson came out and said <laughs> that if I was a footballer right now, I'd be bending the ears of all the Japanese players to find out how they do what they do. How do they prepare? How's their diet? Etc. Etc. And I, I just think that it's a, it's a mutual respect thing, Declan, when you, you know, you're in the profession alongside these people and you can mm. learn from each other. Uh, and I think that... Uh, that flies in the face of what we've just been discussing. Um, I, I would far more, I'd far more uh, try and learn from people, uh, good and bad often, uh, than 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 call them another mob and disrespect them. So no, I'm I'm constantly finding out more and more about Ange Postecoglou, and every time I find a wee bit more about the guy, you know, my my respect levels just go through the roof for him. That doesn't surprise me at all. Uh, but as I say, anybody who wants to come into the studio will hear me moaning for thirty to sixty minutes a day. Every day, and it, yeah, well, that's why I don't come into the studio. I just <laughs> how enticing is that? <laughs> I know, and you come. Uh, that's I think also, I think, I think Ange is, a, is an exceptional individual because I don't think in the however long he's been there, eighteen months, he's ever said anything. I thought, how can he say that? Hmm. It's always the timing. It's always the timing, though, for me, Jim. When he does it, mm. he just knows when to say the right thing, which is ah. very hard to do. I, I can't ah. do it. I try my ah. best to do it, but I can't do it. Because you you hear other managers or any managers 
would be the Celtic manager in the past. You'll think, you'll think, don't be daft. How can you say that? But ah, I honestly can't think of anything that Andrew said when I thought to myself, how could he say that? He's got everything spot on. Mm. Exceptional no, he is, he is exceptional, Jim. And in the face of uh, the the lovely pressure that he'll be under, it will be absolutely intense. But he never ever seems that never comes across when when he's being uh, spoken to and in press conference. But no. we never even think about Ange being under pressure. You imagine the pressure that he's under, Declan, even for a cup final on Sunday. But it doesn't come across in that way. I mean, I've never had the opportunity. I know Declan has. I've never had the opportunity to speak to Ange Postecoglou. Because every time we're in press conferences, it tends to be somebody else who's in them. Um, but I think that he'll put everybody uh, on the top of their game every single time because he just will not suffer fools. But going back to what you were saying, Declan, I just think it's all about learning from your peers, learning from your contemporaries and try to be better. And I think that Ange totally gets that. Um, the one thing I'm going to throw to you two uh, before we wrap up today is it's not even a theory as such. It's about... Um, progress and how, how can we progress and what does progress look like uh, and I, I know Jim often is, is called the most pragmatic member of the Axom team so it'd be interesting to hear what, what Jim says and it was glamorous seen... of course as well you didn't miss that, but... <laughs> the, the glamour is there um, you've also seen what would be deemed successful European campaigns 20 years ago obviously and Seville being one that comes to mind but how can we compete in Europe and I just think it comes down to a couple of things the recruitment being better, and I think it is, and getting the players to the club more quickly. Because I believe that in the last 10 years, we could have assembled a Champions League group of players, but obviously you need to get them in the door quicker. Um, do you think it's possible with somebody like Ange at the helm, using the markets that he's using, Jim, to get the sufficient and you know quality in quickly enough to make a dent in Europe? And if so... When can that be done? I mean, are, are we jumping the gun a wee bit to think that we could be there within the next 18 months to do something tangible in Europe? How long have we got? A minute. <laughs> uh, good question. I think you can get the people in, but will he keep them? Or will he be able to keep them? Because he's obviously coached players particularly well and they end up, or they, or they will go pretty quickly. So I think that's difficult. I think Europe's most difficult. I alluded to something that happened in 1985 where you can get to the quarterfinal of the European Cup after three games. Yeah. You can't do that anymore. Barcelona played Man United last night and that's not even in the big cup. You know, so these things are, are really, really difficult. Can I put a team together that can maybe make a fist of going reasonably far in the Europa League? Absolutely. A wee bit of luck. Absolutely. Champions League, you know, just getting out of the group would be a kind of major achievement. But for me, success is always Europe because... Given the size of the club, and we are the biggest club in Scotland, no matter what metric you want to look at, we are the biggest. So if you're the biggest, you should be winning games. You shouldn't be losing to Dundee United or St. Johnson. We've got main rivals across the city who, yeah, are not as big as we are, but they're not that far away, so that will always be a bit of a challenge. And for me, it's always about Europe. You know, cause you can win the league any year, win a cup any year. You, could be, you, you could go through the season without losing a game a few times, but, but, but getting to European final, for me, is huge. Can I just do it? A Europa League final with a bit of luck. You can certainly get the players and it's down to the luck of the draw and one-off games that you play. Once you're in that knockout stage, who knows? The reason I ask, right, is it, it does tie into, you know, Ange Postecoglou, the future. People are maybe saying, listen, let's just concentrate on Sunday. We've spoken for an hour about Sunday, so it, it, we're, we're digressing a wee bit here. I remember speaking to an Excel and it was when uh, Rafa Benitez was linked to the Celtic job. Mm -hmm. 
And I said to this ex-Celtic player, do you think he would come to Celtic? And the simple answer was no, because he's got aspirations in Europe. So, you know, as well as trying to build a team to do something in Europe, you want to keep the manager as well as keeping the best players. And I think Ange does have aspirations in Europe. So that that's why I'm talking about it now, because obviously it will be the third bite of the cherry next season. Um, and I think that there is a, a level that Celtic can get to presently and currently uh, without, you know, moving out of the Scottish League. I still think we can do something. I'm just wondering how we do it. And can it be done quickly enough to ensure that we keep... Uh, Ange Postacoglu happy definitely I also you to be careful what you wish for if you're Ange because Ange is obviously he's found the ideal club for him and if he heads off to a top six top seven club down south he could be sacked within two months so a bit of a balancing act sorry I jumped in there no I I find kind of his whole story journey that's led him to Celtic really really interesting he's obviously at a kind of different scale in terms of age when you're looking at you know Somebody like Brendan Rogers, who again is probably the, the, the a coach that we all looked and held in high regard. Um, I remember Jim Craig had says to me in the summer there, he said, this will be the real acid test. Second season, see if you can retain, set the standards, and you get the, ch- the chance at the Champions League. Um, I always think back, Celtic played Malmo, if you remember right, in Champions League qualifying under Roney. And Malmo had a core of Peruvian players. That's where they had shopped. That was their market. They had assembled this team obviously put us out of the Champions League, got to the group stages. They didn't have a great group stage campaign, although they're, they're not the worst team in Champions League uh, group stage history. I know that's one of the Glasgow clubs and it's not Celtic. Um, but when you look at that, I, I think, Paul, one thing is football's changed and to be able to compete with some of the big teams, especially at Champions League level, you need to recruit really well. Celtics are still currently doing that. They're in markets with other, con- with other countries and teams don't tend to shop in. So I think that's one thing that we're able to take a box and saying, yep, Celtic are recruiting well. Can you keep a hold of those players? That, that again, is yet to be kind of tested. I know we've lost Yakimakis and Juranovic. I don't think that was really on the manager. I think both of those guys were at that point, 27-year-old or whatever, that they maybe seek that bigger challenge in terms of you know money um, being one of those things. And obviously Juranovic scored last night for Union Berlin. They're right up mm. there challenging Bundesliga football and they're into the last 16 of the Europa League. Um, but it's all about keeping talent. I think European football to me as well is a wee bit about luck. You know, but we're talking earlier on about going into a cup final. I've got a full bill of health. If you think back to that Leipzig game and Callum McGregor goes off, it changes the game pretty much for us too. So I think there's too many factors to kind of blend into it to just say, yep, we will do it. Do I have every confidence in him though doing it? I think I do. He's recruited well. He's a, a likeable character. He's got ambition to do it. It's just if we can, you know, as I say, I think luck plays a big part in European football. If we get that, I don't see any reason why Ange can't get Celtic to a, a Europa League final or something. It's all about keeping those players and that's kind of out with Ange's control pretty much. And Ange talks about trying to concentrate on what's within my control. Mm-hmm. And if you bring on a Matt O'Reilly and he's outstanding and he becomes a Denmark for going to national and he can quadruple his wages somewhere else, that's out with Ange's control. There's nothing he can do about that. Yeah. I loved, just finally, anybody that didn't watch that interview yesterday, I loved how um, I asked Mark Reaper, having played with Brian Lloydrop and Henrik Larsson, who was the better player? Go and watch the interview. You might like the answer. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Reggie Blinker. Yeah, there you go. Um, Tony Cascarino. No, that's a joke. Did he play with them? No, no. Just just in terms of... uh, forward players I know we were talking about Chelsea's worst ever player 
earlier on. I think certainly there that's you what go. deal. And yeah. that comes right back to tonight. Um, there you go. There's a full 360 right oh. back to tonight. The man that was swapped for Tony Cascarino, Tom Boyd, will be live at Gracie's with a Celtic state of mind tonight. It kicks off a good weekend for the team. Um, Tom Boyd tonight, the, the captain of the side, obviously Martin Hill then took charge of the, the following night. And then Celtic versus Rangers in the cup final on Sunday. Thanks to all our contributors as always. Jim, Paul, we should do this more often. Have a catch up on a Friday. Pleasure to be on with you two guys and enjoy the game, everybody, on Sunday. Super. Enjoy the game. What's up, guys? This is MMA fighter Clay Guida, and I'm not afraid of anyone or anything. But losing my hair was an entirely different kind of fight. So if you're suffering from hair loss like I was, then you got to check out my boys at Bosley. Pound for pound, they are the champions of hair restoration. That's why I turned to Bosley to get my hair back. The entire Bosley team was so professional and kind from start to finish. All it took was a simple one-day procedure, and I was on my way back to rocking my full hair again. So take it from me. Don't wait if you are thinning or receding. I'm so thrilled with my results, I just wish I would have went to Bosley sooner. It's time to finally knock out hair loss because the best is yet to come. Check out Bosley today. When MMA fighter Clay Guida was losing his hair, he trusted Bosley to get it back. Now it's your turn. Get a free information kit, plus get a $250 off gift card when you text SCORE to 203203. That's text SCORE to 203203. Don't wait. Text SCORE to 203203. Message and data rates may apply. Guys, got hair loss? I know what you're thinking. Should I shave my head, comb it over, wear a hat? Just stop. This is in 1970. Keep your hair and your confidence because Bosley, America's number one hair restoration experts, can give you your real hair back permanently. Check them out today because they're giving away an absolutely free information kit and a free gift card to anyone that texts EASY to 203203. Dude, you don't have to look like your dad because this isn't your dad's hair loss treatment. People all over the country trust Bosley because they're ahead of the curve. They use the latest technology to give you your real hair back. And the best part? Bosley's permanent solution is protected by the Bosley Guarantee. Let Bosley show you for free how awesome your hair could look with an absolutely free information kit and a gift card for $250 off. Text EASY to 203203. That's E-A-S-Y to 203203. Sports Social Podcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.